Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. The Apostle Paul reflects and meditates on the perfect example of reconciliation, our Lord and Savior Jesus. Our scripture reading is taken from his second letter to the Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verses 16 through 21. If you're following in a pew Bible, you can find that passage on page 940. Listen to the word of God. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Father, sanctify us in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. The sermon has a prelude, a reminder that we are in the season of Lent, and Lent functions a little bit like an annual audit. It's just about as much fun. An auditor goes in and looks at all the books to see where the discrepancies might be. And if we're doing it right, we are doing that kind of work on ourselves during these 40 days. We proclaim to be Christ followers, and yet the books don't completely line up between what we proclaim to be true and how we live it out. And so we measure out the distance between those two in Lent and try to repent and move closer to God's hope. That, that's hard work. That's hard stuff. And so, in keeping with the hard stuff, we're talking about reconciliation today. That's going to be one of the hard ones too. So background on where we are in in. Uh, the church at Corinth. Paul has made it to Europe. He's on his second missionary journey. He spent, this is some time after he's been beaten in Philippi, rejected at Thessalonica, shunned by the snobs in Athens, and then he goes to Corinth to set up a church. Uh, Corinth is about 50 miles uh, west of Athens. We're in about 50 AD or so. It's right there on the coast and you know, Paul has planted a whole lot of churches during his missionary journeys, but this is the child that gives him the most trouble. Uh, I mean, the, the people at Corinth are just a mess. 
Maybe it's not their fault. I mentioned this is a port city. There are teachers coming in and out of the congregation. They're stirring up trouble all the time. One of the things they're stirring up is a claim that Paul is not who he's cracked up to be. They're stirring up questions about whether or not Paul is a true teacher, whether or not Paul can really be trusted. As you can imagine, this starts to pull and create some division in the congregation. Well, in addition to that, <laughs> they've got this other squabble going on in the church. There are, there are church members who are suing each other on Monday after they've been in church Sunday. They're showing up in the public courts. So, yeah, yeah they're in Sunday school together Sunday. Monday morning, they walk into uh, the courtroom ready to do battle, each with their own lawyer in tow. As you can imagine, that is creating a little bit of conflict in the congregation. And then just to really fire things up, some of the men have been seen at Johnny's hideaway, yeah, with some of the wives of the other men in the congregation. There is a rampant nighttime misbehavior for those who have ears to hear. Y'all are following me, right? And so, this place is a mess. And I suppose most of the members would have just left and gone to Second Baptist, but there's not a Second Baptist. This is the only fellowship of Christian, the only Christ followers in Corinth. This is it. Where can they go? My friend Paul Duke describes the church at Corinth as a middle school food fight. I think that's just about right. There's a woman who sits right up front. She's a charter member. She became Christian when Paul first came through town preaching salvation in Jesus. She was convinced that Jesus is who He says He is. Convinced that this is indeed the Messiah and that God has raised Him from the dead. She has committed her life to following Jesus. And she's sitting in church there because this is the place she gets to give expression to the ways God through Christ has changed her life, filling it with sunshine and hope. But there's a woman who sits right behind her who's been influenced by these new teachers who say that Paul's got it all wrong. And they've been friends for years. And she won't even turn around and speak to her anymore. This difference of opinion over the founding pastor has led to four months of the silent treatment between those two women. Stephen, who sits back over there, has been out fishing in a new boat. It's, it's not a new boat. It's, it's a new-to-him boat. But it looks like the boat that Alex used to have that was stolen from him months ago. And, and it looks enough like the boat that Alex had that was stolen from him that he has brought Stephen up on charges. Court date set for July. The two men have sons, both six. They're best friends. But somebody heard Alex say that if he ever sees Stephen... When their kids aren't around, 
somebody better move the furniture because there's going to be a brawl happen. And then there's a guy who sits way back over there who sits as far on the pew as he can possibly sit, arms crossed, legs crossed. He's almost squeezed up against the pew because at the other end of the pew there is a couple and if the rumors are true you'd understand why he's trying to get as much distance as possible. There is estrangement all over the congregation. There's a chance you have some relationships like this. Maybe not in church, but maybe. I mean, let's not be naive. The biblical churches were populated by Christians, lives changed by the love of God in Christ, and some of them weren't speaking to each other. So, there's no reason to think there might not be a little bit of that going on here. But more likely, the person you're not speaking to is somebody in your family or a former boss or a former business partner. It is rare to find anybody who is not estranged from somebody. Now I know that some people have had horrible things done to them making forgiveness and reconciliation a near impossibility. And even if the other person asks forgiveness, and even if you mouth the words, yeah, I forgive him, eh, chances are y'all aren't going to the movies next Friday night, right? I understand. This is hard stuff. Others of you, they're There's been enough distance passed between whatever the transgression was. Maybe if he or she were to beg forgiveness, you might be willing to roll up your sleeves, do some repairing work. That is, if she apologizes. But she better apologize. I understand. Reconciliation is hard work. Well, back to the church at Corinth. The leader of the house church stands in front of the congregation to read the latest letter from the founding pastor. You can cut the tension in the congregation with a knife. There's hatred, estrangement, silence. I'll never forgive him. And then the leader of the house church opens up this letter to read it in the context of all of that going on. So, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making His appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be 
reconciled to God. In Christ's move toward us, in, in His forgiveness, we have been reunited with God, brought back, reconciled. And here's the hard part. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, Jesus moved toward us, forgave us, not counting our trespasses against us, and now called on us to do the same with each other. It's our calling as Christians to move toward the other, and not just to forgive. This is where it gets really hard. Forgiveness is step one. Step two is a newly formed relationship, reconciled. Well, I just can't do that. You don't know what was done to me. I know you can't. That's why it's so rare. That's why it almost never happens apart from Christ. Paul all but admits it. Paul all but admits we can't do it when he says, all this is from God. But it wasn't my fault. I get it. And here's the really hard part. Follow this. God reconciled us to Himself through Christ. It wasn't His fault either. And still Jesus is the actor. Jesus has the verbs. Jesus moves first toward us in forgiveness and restored relationship. That's hard. And then Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ. One of my favorite images. You know what an ambassador is. An ambassador is someone who represents the values and ideals of a foreign country in a foreign land. We're ambassadors. We represent the kingdom's values in a land where it makes no sense. And it doesn't make sense. To repair a relationship where you were the victim makes no sense at all. But we are ambassadors of a kingdom where things are upside down. From, there, from now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. We represent a place where we make the first steps toward a new relationship, regardless of who was at fault. Now, we know this. It, it, it takes two to marry, it takes one to divorce. In other words, all of our attempts at a renewed relationship may not be met with the same spirit. A mentor once told me, we all play one hand in a complicated game, but we are still responsible for our part, not responsible for the outcome. Now let me step into the deep water. 
I told you Lent was going to take us into some hard places. Our church has made a commitment through the All Together Ministry to play a positive role in Atlanta's efforts at racial reconciliation. Most of the rhetoric I hear about racial reconciliation is what one side is owed or not owed. I was participating in a conference one time on race. There were about 40 of us in the room, half black, half white, half male, half female. The conference leader had two easels up. Paper, you know, the butcher paper on easels. And he asked us these questions. He said, I want all of the white people in the room to think of ways that you as a people group have been wronged by black people as a people group. Not, not individual wrongs, not a guy stole my wallet one time. As a, as a people group, how have you been victimized? Then, then he said, to the African-American part of, the, of the, the room that day, I want all of you who are black to call out the ways that you as a people group have been victimized by white people. Well, he started with us. Took his marker, he went over, started with us. All right, white folks in the room, tell me how you've been victimized as a people group. I'll come back to you. He went over here, took out his marker, and he said, okay, I want all the black people in the room to call out the ways that as a people, as a group, you've been victimized by white people. The hands shot up all over the place. It just kept coming. It just kept coming. People were shouting out, slavery, Jim Crow, school segregation, denied the right to vote. He's right. He's just writing like crazy. Put a ho, ho. He came back to us. Okay, you've had some time to think. I'll come back to you. He came back over here, went to the other easel. Hands went up again. We were counted as three-fifths human. We were banned for getting care at the best hospitals. Mortgage discrimination, labor market discrimination. He turns a page. He keeps writing. He keeps writing. He turned back, and all I could do was hang my head. This is not a political statement. This is not even an opinion. Black people in this country have been victims and the white response that I hear most often is, I know. And I feel terrible about what has been endured, but I didn't do any of that. I never owned a slave. I never banned anybody from a public library. Why should I have to apologize for something I didn't do? So who is responsible who carries the burden for racial reconciliation in our city? The answer is Christians. White and black Christians, victims and victimizers. 
Jesus was without sin, and we have been reconciled to God through him. He stepped forward even though he was blameless. And all of us, all of us, are either moving toward one another in forgiveness and renewed relationship, or we are keeping a journal about how it's not our fault and it's not up to us. But all of us who call Him Lord are ambassadors of a kingdom that makes no sense to anybody else. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making His appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You know, the first recorded words of Jesus, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom has been fulfilled. It, it is. So, the kingdom of God is kind of like a Venn diagram. You know what I'm talking about? The two circles that represent two different things, but they overlap in the middle. There is the kingdom, the heavenly realm where peace lives, where lion and lamb lie together, where God's perfect love is touching everything. And then there is this broken and fallen world. But in the middle where they overlap, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. And we are called to be ambassadors of that kingdom in that space. To find ways to make that kingdom happen now. To find ways that you and I can be used in God's drama. The kingdom is not only in heaven. From now on we regard no one from a human point of view. We're inspired by something bigger than keeping score. All this is from God, Paul says. We can't do it on our own strength. But sometimes it happens. You've seen it happen. You've seen the kingdom break through in ways that were real, so real you could almost touch it. And the sun shines and God delights. And in the realm of reconciliation it happens when somebody picks up the phone to call the sister you have not spoken to in seven years. It's a move forward. It happens when we first see other Atlantans Primarily as someone made in the very image of God. That everybody carries the divine image within them. It happens when you leave the therapist's office, go home with the courage to forgive your dad, and write a tear-stained letter of absolution. And it happens when you leave and you're in the parking lot and it takes all you've got, everything you can muster to walk up to somebody and say, 
it's time for you and me to go to lunch and talk. Enough's enough. So if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God who reconciled to himself us through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Thanks be to God, you and I have been named ambassadors to represent his kingdom in a foreign land. Let's go and love the world back. Would you stand and sing? Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.